You know, our lived experiences and our backgrounds inform how we listen and hear and see things. So when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau takes that incredibly extended dramatic pause yesterday when asked about Donald Trump, what is it that you perceive he was doing? Was he whistling Dixie in his head? Was he thinking to himself, well, I'll show, I'll show Trump, I just won't talk for 22 seconds. Your lived experience likely informs how you interpreted that silence. So now, what do you hear when you hear Doug Ford say this? Doug Ford asked yesterday in his daily press conference what he makes of what's going on in the United States, the protests, the social unrest, the police clampdown. Here is the complete answer from Doug Ford. What do you hear here? I don't have time. I'm being 100% honest. I don't have time to watch the news. I, I just don't. I'm on the phone till 11, 12 o'clock at night, going 100 miles an hour, and, and I'm worried about Ontario. That's what I'm concerned about. Uh, they have their issues. There's no doubt they have their issues in the, in, in the U.S., and they, they have to fix their issues. But it's like night and day compared to Canada in the U.S. I'm proud to be Canadian. I'm proud to be the Premier of Ontario, uh, and I know Canadians just won't tolerate it. Again, uh, good luck to them, and uh, hopefully they can straighten out their problems. And thank God, thank God that uh, we're different than the United States, and we don't have the systemic, deep roots they, they have had for years. I'm proud to be Canadian. That is Doug Ford speaking yesterday. What did you hear? What did you hear and what did you perceive the Premier was saying? I tell you what I, I bring to the table, obviously, you know, my career as a journalist, I've been a journalist for a long time. Right off the top, I think, what do you mean you don't watch the news? Everybody should watch the news. You should please watch the news, Premier. Second, I, I hear him say, we're different than the United States. It's a different thing. It's a different thing that's happening there than what is happening here. And I think, you know, on, on a high level, I absolutely agree with that. And I think probably everybody does. It's a... It's a different situation, different country, different culture, all kinds of things that are different between them and us. But it's the last bit there that a lot of people have a problem with. Let's play that again for you. Here's Doug Ford. And thank God, thank God that uh, we're different than the United States. And we don't have the systemic, deep roots they, they have had for years. I'm proud to be Canadian. We don't have the systemic, and I believe he means systemic racism, here that they have. So is that the Premier saying systemic racism does not exist in Ontario or does not exist in Canada? Because there are many people who took exactly that away from what the Premier had to say. Say that That is A, ridiculous, and B, dangerous. To somehow say, well, that's different. That's what the United States is dealing with. We don't deal with that at all. And there has been a lot of people talking about it, a lot of criticism of the Premier. And I'll, I'll play this for you. This is what the Premier had to say in the House today during question period. Obviously aware probably of the backlash and the concern over what he said yesterday. Here is Doug Ford in the House today. Of course, they're systemic. 
racism in Ontario. There's systemic racism across this country. Order. I know I know it exists, Mr. Speaker. What I don't know is Order. the hardships faced by those communities. That is Doug Ford at Queen's Park today. Of course, there is systemic racism in this country. Let's get some perspective on this from a different set of ears, a different lived experience. Karim Assad is a lawyer and is a regular contributor to this program and to this radio station. She joins me on the line. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me back. Let's talk about what Doug Ford said yesterday before we address what he said today when he said, essentially, we do not have systemic racism. What did you hear in what Doug Ford said? There's a lot to unpack. Um, And, I mean, I took from his words uh, precisely what what you suggested, that he's saying there is no systemic racism problem in Canada comparable to what's in the U.S., and, and I wholeheartedly disagree. And to suggest that things are different there than they are here, do you take that? Do you take that as, you know, truth on a high level? I think it's a fantasy. It's a fiction. It's a fi- it's a fiction to suggest that the problems that we see on our televisions from south of the border don't exist here. Absolutely, uh, they may manifest in different ways. Uh, of course, we operate in different political and historic context, but uh, a lot of the the background and the structural underpinning to the American state and the Canadian state uh, is is virtually identical. What is your lived experience with institutional or systemic racism in this province? So myself, um, I come from a Muslim family. I'm brown-skinned. I'm a woman. And that all informs how I see the world and how the world interacts with me. Um, And I I see how discrimination and racism um, through my employment uh, as a lawyer, I see how it affects people's housing, their access to health care, their ability to travel, their uh, the jobs that are available to them. Every facet of life that you can imagine is is affected by people's the, the people who operate these systems and, and they themselves may not be individually biased or discriminatory sometimes they are sometimes they're not um, but the, the real problem uh, are the way that these institutions um, operate and how they can exclude people who look different and in, in particular, Canada has a serious problem with anti-black racism and anti-Indigenous racism. And in, why is it, in particular, those two things that you single out? I, I suppose, uh, in part, um, through my work in criminal justice, um, these are the communities that I see hardest hit by police interactions and are disproportionately criminalized and housed in institutions like jails, um, even though there are underlying issues such as poverty, mental health, um, that could afford leniency to um, sort of a similar situation, but a a different person dealing with it. 
Um, and just, I, I'm not a historian, um, but just my, my kind of basic understanding of Canadian and Ontario's history, we have a legacy of slavery. We have the Indian Act, which is still in place today, that uh, is a race-based piece of legislation. Um, we've had exclusion policies that affected Chinese immigrants, black immigrants. Um, we have ongoing issues with who is in care in children's aid, um, which groups are being, again, disproportionately affected. Um, we have carding that hits black uh, people the hardest, at least in the GTA, which is where I operate. Uh, and I mean, around this time last year, the government released its report on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, Two-Spirit, um, and sort of all of that can't be ignored and, and sideswept with looking at what's happening in the States and having this false sense of smugness and superiority, at least we're not like that. We're exactly like that. I'm wondering what you made of uh, Blackout Tuesday. Uh, you're active on social media. I'm sure you saw all the black squares and black rectangles going by on your feed, uh, largely from white Canadians, pretty much. I'm just wondering what your perspective on that was. I think it was quite performative. Um, and at a time where people are maybe, this is their first time being attuned to these issues, or now they are in a space where they're, they're finally ready to hear the message and people don't know what they can do to help. And so, I mean, what I took from that is people um, at least appearing to be interested, wanting to engage. Um, but at the same time, there was, um, a, a lack of, of critical thought, I think. And the Blackout Tuesday, was uh, the campaign was criticized because um, when people included the hashtag Black Lives Matter, effectively what was happening, uh, it was drowning out the voices of people on the ground, frontline protesters. And you would scroll and scroll and see black page after black page. So it, it had this very, very counterproductive effect. And I think in, in some ways it, it's a metaphor um, for us to, to look at and think about how are we engaging with these issues? And if I am interested and I want to be part of the movement, how can I do so in a way that I'm not creating more problems? Do you think it was a way for people just to say, well, now I've posted that black square, I'm going to that... Now, I've dealt with that now. I'm, I, I'm part of. I'm an ally. Look at me, Black Square. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gold medals and cookies that I'm sure need to be handed <laughs> out today, um, and and that is uh, that is a danger um, of sort of social media activism. I don't want to downplay um, because I think I myself have learned a lot from following people on Twitter, on Instagram, um, it, you know, learning about theories and concepts and historical events that I otherwise would have been ignorant to. So it, it's a great place to start and learn. Um, but really, the focus should be on listening and receiving information, processing that, um, and, and maybe less about what you're putting out there. Karima, it's important to, to hear different perspectives and to share different uh, lived experiences because, as the Premier did say in the House today, that there is simply no way for him to understand the hardships faced by people of color, 
from from this country and south of the border or indigenous voices. And it's, it's important that we have this discussion and have a discussion beyond just black squares. And I hope that the words are matched by actions because, you know, it, it's maybe I appreciate where the premier is coming from and he, he can't know, but he's in a position of power where it's his, his, job, his responsibility to listen and learn and understand. So I hope that he walks back some of his positions on carding, for example, on whether or not there should be um, part of the curriculum that focuses on Indigenous issues, on Black Canadian history. Um, Just recently, the the chief medical officer wasn't planning on collecting race-based data amid COVID-19. And, and had to resile from that position because of the outcry. So it's not enough to uh, sort of have a superficial, okay, I'm listening, I'm learning, but not back that up with action. So now we hold feet to the fire. And what's happening in, in the States, we're seeing protests unfold in Toronto, across Ontario. These are very Canadian issues, and it's it's far beyond the time of acknowledging the problem, we need to act on it. Karim Asad is a Toronto-based lawyer. Thank you so much for your perspective and being on the program today. Thank you again for having me. Take care.